everyone, and welcome to Deadpan Studio Podcast. Uh, this is a show called Deadpan Studio Presents by us, and I am, of course, your host, The Matt. Um, just call me Matt. I think when I go from that from now on, I'm proud of my name. Anyway, <laughs> uh, today we're going to do an, uh, something special today. We're doing our first video podcast. Oh, my gosh, I'm sweating bullets in here. Yeah, I'm not used to being on video. I'm more used to, um, you know, being on mic. Y'all hearing my voice, but you get to see my smiling face today. That's okay. Anyway, today we're doing something special that Alan set up. We're interviewing Mr. Paul Glodfelter from uh, the Far Off Broadway Players. He's the artistic director of the uh, Plaza Theater. So, um, he's the one that's kind of been behind every one of the shows that they've been doing up there the past couple of years. Uh, really good turnout, different events, things like that that they've had up there. Um, but yeah, we all thought it would be really cool if we could just, you know, do a video one. And depending on how this goes, we may do it again. Uh, but really, that's about it. We're excited about getting into the interview. I hope you enjoy uh, seeing us. We, did, uh, we recorded it through Zoom. So, you'll see myself Bradley and Mr. Alan Hogan as we interview uh, Mr. Paul Glodfelter now before we get into that uh, into the interview that we were all really excited about let's go to the business anyway we have an email at deadpanstudio18 at gmail.com uh, we're on social media Facebook Twitter and Instagram uh, we're at deadpanstudio18 there just to make things easier uh, we're also on a bunch of streaming services, 14 as we speak. So we're not going to go through all of them, just a few. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as Podbean. Podbean is a is an app. It's also a website. It's our server. So that's where we run everything through. So deadpanstudio.podbean.com. Love it. Find us. Google us. You'll find us everywhere. So check it out. And without further ado, let's get to the interview with Mr. Paul Glodfelter. Enjoy, guys. Hello, everybody. Hi, Paul. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm chilling like Bob Dylan. How are you doing? Oh, the, that is the best way I've ever heard anybody put it. Chilling like Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, Bob Dylan. I like that a lot. <laughs> As you can see, everybody, this is our very first Deadpan Studio podcast virtual video podcast. And today we decided to share that with uh, with Mr. Paul Glotfelter from the Far Off Broadway Players. And of course, today we are joined by Mr. Sir Bradley Allen. I had to change my name real quick. I realized that it was that was for a different Zoom meeting. Oh, <laughs> it said Allen Evan. I was like, wait, that's not me. <laughs> That's all right. I'd use an alter ego too for my day job if I could. So, <laughs> all right. So today we're we. I've actually got this labeled, and when I put this out, I've actually got this as Paul Glodfelter, theater renaissance man. Oh, good I'm, lord! <laughs> oh yeah, this interview is going to be fun. It's going to be uh, fraught with uh, things going wrong, but that's okay. That's what makes it fun. Uh, but yeah, I've I did my due diligence. I'm sure everybody else has gotten to know you a little bit better, obviously, than I have, because I have yet to work with you at the Far Off Broadway Players, which I hope to once things start opening back up. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows when that's going to be? I have no idea. I don't know. But until then, we've got things like this to help 
you know, get us through. So um, I did my due diligence and I looked some stuff up on you. And uh, obviously you're the artistic director of the Plaza Theater. What does one do under that title? I've always wondered exactly. Well, as my cat is about ready to show you. <laughs> Here's a cat butthole for you. <laughs> uh, we have the same producers cat. as Cats the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does one do as the artistic director? Well, yeah, everything, really. Um, we, have, uh, we have a board of directors um who we uh usually meet with at least once a month but because of you know covid and everything like that we really haven't uh, had the chance to get together but uh normally what i do is uh pick plays uh we uh, we have been had been doing five shows a year and uh after you know reading a lot and you know just from the experience of having a seeing a lot of shows and being in a lot of shows and reading a lot of shows, I had some ideas that maybe might work for our audiences here uh, in Glasgow and, you know, South Central Kentucky in general. Um, and then I usually uh, send the scripts or give the scripts to our board of directors uh, and tell them what I'm interested in and what I think would work for us. And then they either approve or don't approve. Uh, what we put out. So long story short, I, you know, I pick the plays and then they get voted on by our board and that's what we decide to do. So that's the first thing we do. Um, and then uh, really it's coordinating with Carolyn Gladfelder, my wife, but she's also the executive director for the Plaza Theater and picking dates and times um, when we can do our shows in a particular season. So we have to go through that to make sure those dates are available and you know, things like that. And once that's all slated, uh, then it's a matter of uh, picking directors uh, to uh, direct the shows. I don't direct all the plays uh, for the far Broadway players, um, but uh, there are certain people that might, you know, fit better for certain shows. Some people are really good at directing comedies, some people maybe dramas, things like that, musicals. Um, and then it's, uh, then it's, then it's coordinating with, um, you know, our set designers and it's coordinating with our costume person and our lighting technicians, and our lighting designers um, and getting all that stuff set up. And then logistically, uh, the business side of things is also something that I handle. So it's pretty much keeping an eye on our accounts receivable and our accounts payable, uh, what's coming in regarding ticket sales, what's going, you know, what's going out as far as the cost of productions. Um, and then we, uh, we have a, a you know, a person who handles all of our fundraising uh, for us as far as sponsorships and things like that, but that's also things. And I also maintain our website. Um, so I don't do anything uh, with the far probably players, really. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, a lot of people don't realize, I guess, you know, they come and they see a show and they go, oh, that was kind of cool. And, you know, they might realize there's a lot of work that goes into it, but they don't realize just how much work goes into it. So. Sorry, that was a long answer, long-winded. That's all right. I, I did notice that you didn't list sleep in there. Um, I, believe me, don't get me wrong. I, I, I sleep a lot. So it's, you know, <laughs> I have no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Just hope it's not during the rehearsals, right? Uh, well, if Alan's on the stage, I probably would. But if anybody else, you know, no, I'm kidding. I get that. Best naps of my life. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just wish I wasn't on stage with him at the time, though. Yeah. You can't say but, I don't have talent. Uh, that's right. I can put you to sleep. <laughs> favorite, Alan. I'm the favorite now. <laughs> Nobody's the favorite. Nobody's the favorite. And the fact that you just said that you are means that you are definitely not. So, that means Charlie Goodman. Spend an if you'd like. That means Charlie Goodman is still the favorite. But that's Absolutely. okay. That's right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, uh, so, an artistic director is basically somebody who wears many, many hats. Pretty much so, yeah. I mean, you know, in a typical theatrical situation, you would have a general manager or a business manager and an artistic director. Um, somebody would handle the business side of things and the administration side of things and somebody that would handle the uh, artistic side of things. Mm -hmm. But in, in an organization, you know, we're just a small, you know, community theater organization here. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just me. And that's fine. I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, you know, eventually someday, five, 10 years down the line, I would great be great to grow the organization and have it bigger and have more people. Um, but for right now, it is what it is, and I love it. So well, that, that's pretty what, Where do you see that, uh, the theater growing in the next 10 years since you brought that up? Minus COVID. Minus COVID, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind of look at it this way. You know, this isn't, gonna, you know, the pandemic is not going to be around forever. It, it, you know, uh, you know, we will eventually get through this and, um, you know, once everything is, I mean, we're going to have a new normal. I know for a long period of time, you know, it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be the way it was for a while. It just isn't. Um, but once we get through all of this, you know, the goal is to, you know, we do five shows a year, but I want to grow our audiences. You know, I want to get to the point where, you know, or, you know, organizations, corporations, businesses will see the value in what it is that we provide as far as theatrical entertainment and, and want to help support us. And once we can build on that a little bit uh, and build, uh, build our audiences and build more sponsorships and more contributors and uh, benefactors and things like that, once we can get to that point, uh, then I would really, really just love to do, you know, shows all the time. I'd like to have a show, you know, every couple of months, every month and a half, every, um, you know, and I know that, you know, the Plaza would love that. They're always looking for events and things like that. And, um, you know, we'd like to open up our audience. Maybe we could do a show. Maybe we could do more matinees, you know, maybe we could do not just, you know, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, maybe we could do Thursday, Fridays and Saturdays, but we could do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. um, but that would take a lot more audience than we have right now. Right. Um, you know, but uh, that's my goal. And, I, you know, and I would like to get to the point where I have a person who always handles our costume, a person who always handles our lighting, a person who always, and I, you know, and eventually I would like to start giving our actors, you know, a little bit of dinero, you know, and, um, and give our, uh, our technical people, all the people that work backstage, uh, give them something for what they do, you know. Um, because it's, I mean, believe me, ask, ask these two guys below us here how much work is involved in doing a show just from the actor standpoint. And even Alan, who directed Odd Couple um, a few years back, how much work goes into all of that stuff, you know? And right now we, we count on our, our ticket sales to really cover um, the whole season. So when we really look at 
you know, an entire year, we take that amount of money and then that's what we have to work with the following year, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So, um, you know, we do have a little bit of help with, with, like I said, some sponsors and things like that. Right now, TJ Sampson Community Hospital is a big sponsor of ours and uh, German American Bank is a big sponsor of ours as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're looking for more great organizations like that to really um, step on board uh, and see all the great stuff we've been up to. Now, I also saw that you, uh, you've you done, uh, we're gonna step away from Far Off Broadway for just a moment, um, that you've also worked at Jenny Wiley and Kentucky Rep. Um, sure did, right there, how'd man. You, how'd you enjoy, uh, how did you enjoy Eastern Kentucky? We're gonna do a Paul Gladfelter, this is your life before this episode's over. <laughs> how did I enjoy Eastern Kentucky? I loved Eastern Kentucky. Um, you know, it's gorgeous. My wife and I, um, my wife and I lived uh, in Garrett, Kentucky, which is in Floyd okay. County. Uh, it's right on the Knott County line, uh, right off the four lane, which is 80. It's what they call it. They call it the four lane. And we lived, uh, we lived in a small town of Garrett, which is basically a holler uh, between two mountains. Um, and uh, it was nice and quiet. And we just really had a great time. And working for Jenny Wiley Theater, my wife was the sales manager there. And, uh, and I did everything there. I, I did everything from uh, house managing to directing to um, acting. Um, you know, I, I was there when they, we did a, you know, the house managing was a fun, fun thing. It was a lot of work because it's an outdoor amphitheater, obviously. Um, and it floods. And, you know, you have to go in there with, you know, uh, a shovel and a pick and uh, wheelbarrows and spend hours and hours and hours getting mud and rocks and everything that rolls down off the mountain that just ends up in the theater. Um, and not to mention relocating a lot of copperheads um, who'd like to find their way around that space. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, working with Mar Marty Childers, who was the artistic director and business manager there for a long time too, was, was just great. And, um, you know, it, unfortunately, you know, I won't go into the why it kind of failed eventually, but it was way over 50 years that it was in existence. And uh, now uh, the, uh, the state park owns it. Uh, and now it's called Jenny Wiley Amphitheater. And uh, they are doing live concerts and that kind of stuff. And even now there's, they're scheduling live concerts in that venue. So um, really, really enjoyed it. They also opened a theater, an indoor theater in Pikeville um, uh, which is now called the Appalachian Center for the Arts. Uh, the building is still there. The theater still is in existence, but it's not called Jenny Wiley. It used to be called Jenny Wiley Theater Pikeville or Jenny Wiley Pikeville Theater. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember. I used to live uh, in Norton, Virginia, which was just, you know, stone's throw away from there and spent a lot of time far. in that area. So <laughs> right, right down 23, man. Yeah. Did you ever go to Hillbilly Days up there? Of course we went to Hillbilly Days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right down the main strip of Pikeville, Kentucky. <laughs> it, I mean, Pikeville is a, is a little city, man. You drive down, mm -hmm. you know, you drive down 23 and all of a sudden there's a, there's like high rise buildings and you're going, yeah, where did this come from? You know, <laughs> right uh, in the middle of the mountain. Exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah, man, it's, it, it was a, it was a really fun time. And um, you know, but we missed, we really missed being here in South Central Kentucky for the five years plus that we lived out there. Uh, and it was really wonderful when Carolyn uh, uh, was off at the job to run the plaza. 
and for us to get back here to South Central Kentucky and uh, where we had made our home for quite a while. And it was like, you know, we, we just missed everybody and we couldn't wait to get back, even to see Alan. You know, it was really, really uh, a nice Man, that must have took a lot. I know. <laughs> it's a lot. Half his face is in shadow right now. Yeah. So he's able to hide uh he's able to hide his rage. You can tell I did so much prepping for this. Uh, but first one we'll we'll get we'll work the kinks out and it'll just get better and better. Oh no, but no. I I just, go I'm just back, giving you crap. I wanna go back even further. And I don't I don't mean uh tapping into the inner little Paul. Uh, I just want, I want to know what was your very first experience, not necessarily performing or doing any jobs uh, with entertainment, but what was your first experience that you can remember with entertainment that might have been the reason why you got into acting in the first place? Is there uh, any like ent entertainment kind of stuff? Yeah. Is there any like performance you saw that stuck out that sticks out to you to this day? Uh, was there anything in particular you can pinpoint to the moment where you were like, that's what I want to do? Well, I'll answer this in a couple of pieces. Um, I, I've, been, uh, I've entertained for many, many, many years, you know, starting when I was probably about eight years old. Uh, and I used to play with my uncle's uh, bluegrass band. And uh, I was a little kid that used to put a cowboy hat on and go out and do a couple of sing the high harmony on the Bill Monroe music um, out on stage with my with my uncle Lloyd. Um, you know, it was called Lloyd Hampton and the Bluegrass Mountain Boys, and we were in Pennsylvania at the time. So I, you know, started singing then. I also sang in church, like you know, about every weekend. Um, you know, either with my guitar or with piano or you know something that something of that nature. But um, when I was in high school, um, I was really involved with a lot of theater. Um, and my first musical in high school was Oklahoma when I was in ninth grade. And I just had a, I, I, I was, I was just a bit part. I wasn't like, you know, what didn't have a big role or anything in it. I was, um, I played the federal marshal court Elam, which has like three lines, uh, and the whole show. And I sang all the choral numbers, of course, and danced, um, <laughs> in, in high school. Um, but our drama club was pretty active. You know, and when I was a sophomore, we did, uh, we raised a lot of money for a trip to New York City. And uh, we, our, the person who was the teacher who was in charge of our uh, theater group, our drama club, uh, was an ex-professional actress. She had performed in Chicago, she had performed in New York, and, um, and she wanted us to see theater. She didn't want us to go to New York to see cats or you know she she wanted us to see an actual you know a more like classical theater kind of stuff so we went and saw this show um i think it was the schubert theater if i'm not mistaken um in new york uh the drama club it was called tally's folly and that's a wonderful play it's a two-person play starring judd hirsch from taxi oh cool and um and I was, you know, I think what was I, 14, 15 years of age. And I remember sitting, I walked into this theater and I saw this set. And it was, it was an outdoor backyard in Louisiana. And you thought you were sitting in the swamps of Louisiana. I could not believe, I mean, I was completely floored by how gorgeous it was. It was just, 
I, you know, I, and I, you know, I was cool. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Judd Hirsch is in this play. This is really, really fun, you know, so and so and so. And so. But within the first five minutes, I forgot Judd Hirsch was. You, you for, just forget it's him. Right. Um, and it, he just was in. was so incredibly good. And I and I because I remember a lot of us a lot of us young people were like, well, why don't we go see a musical? Why don't we go see this crap? You know, blah blah blah. <laughs> and uh, I, I was completely blown away. And it was really not long after. I mean, it was re- basically that was the experience where I kind of thought, I think I might want to do this. You know, yeah, that, this a, is you know. Yeah, I've got a similar yeah, you, you story in, for. Go ahead, go ahead, man. You walk into a theater not knowing anything about that world, and all of a sudden you're in a different world. So it's, True. So the scenery on the set put you there, and that's when you were like, hmm. Well, or at least that was the seed that got planted, and then it grew. 100%. I mean, I never seen anything like it before. You know, I mean, movies and stuff, you know, I mean, but to see, I mean, you see high school shows, not that there's anything wrong with them, but they don't have the, the dollars or the money or the people or the designers to put stuff together like that, you know? Yeah, a lot of times it's just was, a flat background. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This was p- pure immersive, like, theater. You know what I mean? And it just blew my mind. And, um, you know, so I kind of base everything that I do now on that experience. I, I kind of – I want people to walk in when we do our shows and to be transported somewhere else. It can be done with a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be the set, but you know, that was the start of it, man. That was really, really what got me, got me going with the whole putting you there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a similar experience when I was, I remember this, uh, when I was five years old, right before moving up here, um, I had the experience of going, uh, it was in Champaign, Illinois at, uh, the convention center they have there on, uh, University of Illinois campus. And, uh, no joke, Brad, you're going to like this. Uh, it was the Masters of the Universe Power Tour. It was a live <laughs> stage show of Masters of the Universe. So I still remember almost from beginning to end just how much it stuck out in my mind because even back then, you know, the 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 effects that they used, the you know, the smoke and the steam and the and you know the lights and everything, especially to see, you know, the change between uh, of the character of Prince Adam to He-Man. It was just so successful, and I, I still remember that vividly from when I was uh, five years old. And so that's right there. That whole immersive experience at such a young age it just kind of really drew me in. So from then on, I've loved anything that has to do with theater. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can totally understand that. Sure. <laughs> the cat's back. No, yeah. this is a different one. Oh. <laughs> is it Grandma? Hi, Grandma. No, that was George. That was George. That was George. Oh, yeah. I'm George. No. I'm George. <laughs> You're still Bradley. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody gets it. Somebody yeah, gets it. <laughs> yeah, we're just waiting for you. <laughs> oh, I kill me. I kill me. I kill me. He got me. <laughs> so, okay. You're next so- so you see that, and and then from there, do, do you remember the? I know it's hard to to trace back exactly the steps that were taken from there, but do you remember the next significant moment after seeing that? Like, was there an audition that you done that kind of started, 
or, or did you have a friend that was like like me, Jer like me, you mentioned uh, Kentucky Rep and me. I had no idea that the Kentucky Repertory Theater had a young performers program and a kid could get on that stage. Oh yeah. I had no clue until my senior year of high school and uh, Jeremiah Thompson, which you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know why he, he was, because uh, I was, I mean, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't popular, but I was kind of like a class clown where I, I just laughed constantly and got in trouble a lot. And, uh, oh, I, no. I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if Jeremiah was like, hey, you, 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 you would be really good at this, or if he was just like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm doing this thing, like, if you wanted to come out. I was like, what are you talking about? And it sure. was um, a Midsummer Night's Dream. And he was like, you should come audition. And I was like, mm, can you do that? Like, I was completely lost in that entire world. I mean, I watched a lot of behind the scenes. I'm a movie, television show junkie. So I've seen a lot of making ofs, but I still was 100% green, had never done it before. And I got the part. So that was like where, where it really started for me. After you saw that performance, what was your moment that was kind of like the beginning of this is what I'm going to do? We, uh, we did a um, – our school, our school used to do one straight – like one straight play, non-musical every year, and then one musical every year. And uh, because our leader of our drama club was, you know, a professional, she thought it would be very educational for us to do a Greek tragedy um, in high school. And so we did the play uh, called Antigone. And uh, it was um, pretty deep stuff for people our age to be delving into Sophocles. Um, you know, it was pretty, you know, but we spent probably four months on it, like four or five months on it from the very first reading all the way through, um, you know, learning our lines, getting our characters down, understanding what the heck we're saying um, when we're doing these things. I played the part of Haman, who was Antigone's lover in the show. Um, and, uh, the, actually, the woman that, uh, that played Antigone um, is now in Hollywood working on movie sets. Um, so she kind of took that and went, you know, on with it. Um, but um, we had, we did, we did a really good job on this show. I mean, it was like, I would, you know, looking back and thinking about it, I'm like, Oops, we did a really good job on that show. Well, our director... Um, thought it was so good that she wanted us to take it to competition. So um, we went to a place, um, and you can look them up. They're called the Bucks County Playhouse uh, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And it's right along the Delaware River, kind of like where Washington crossed the Delaware. It's literally right there in New Hope, Pennsylvania. And uh, the Bucks County Playhouse is... Um, it had been closed for a few years because a lot of theaters, unfortunately, have had financial problems, but it's reopened recently. But they are considered one of the top regional theaters uh, in that area. But it's literally an old barn, kind of like Kentucky Rep used to be. Um, and uh, we got to perform 45 minutes of Antigone in this play competition. 
at Bucks County Playhouse. And I remember standing on that huge, monstrous stage, um, feeling like a little like Judd Hirsch um, on, you know, on Broadway, even though it was just Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And that little, you really want to do this. This is really, really fun. And it was such media material, you know, to really get into that. Uh, and finally, um, my senior year um, in high school, we, uh, we did the musical Godspell. And um, I auditioned and got cast as Jesus Christ uh, in Godspell. And um, where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah, right. As you can imagine, as you can imagine, uh, being in high school, like our high school was state championship basketball, state championship football, state champion uh, baseball. I mean, they were like a sports school. And here's a guy who was 6'2", 158 pounds, soaking wet, um, who was in theater and drama or in, in music and sang in the chorus. And the amount of abuse that I took on a regular basis was pretty epic, you know? And um, I remember we did our final dress rehearsal on a Thursday night in our high school of Godspell. And my principal came and saw our final dress rehearsal. And he liked it so much that he thought it would be a good idea to um, have us perform it during the school day on that Friday for the student body. And we were terrified. I mean, here's, we're, you know, we're like, you want us to do it for what? You want us to do it for, are you kidding me? Right? So um, we did, it was like right after our lunch period, um, all the students came into uh, our theater, our auditorium, and sat down and watched us perform Godspell. And um, I guess the what they call watershed moment for me was having these football players and these you know people that just don't understand. It wasn't their fault, you know what I mean? They just didn't get it. They just didn't understand how, why would we do things like this. But they walked up to me, you know, um, in our little shake the hands line after the show, and said, "Oh my gosh, man! I had no idea you were so good." <laughs> and there's this one guy that had abused me my entire high school career said, now I know why you do this. And that changed everything for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to school, uh, was a music theater, uh, music major, theater minor, um, you know, and it, the rest is history, you know, but that really, so there it is in a nutshell. I mean, it, I guess it was little pieces like everybody's life, you know, little things happen all the way through to get you where you are today. And don't even get me started about how I ended up here with the Far Off Broadway players. That would take two, three, four podcasts before we could even get that story out. <laughs> yeah, the, so, the only thing I, uh, well, what I remember about that is the Far Off Broadway players was doing um, things my mother taught me, which I was in. And I remember one night, uh, after I don't know if 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 I knew it beforehand I don't I did not um, but after curtain I looked over and I saw I believe it was Charlie and Peggy um, talking to this tall dude with his back turned to me and I was like and then I heard your voice and I was like I, I know that voice <laughs> and, and, and then I saw you and I was like. Paul, and you're like, oh, hey, uh, good job, good job. I was like, well, that's that's cool. 
<laughs> where did he come from? Um, and then, uh, of course, we went out to eat that night. You you came along, and I believe at that dinner is when it was announced, hey, Paul's going to – or or we're talking to Paul. Uh, I, Peggy told me something. I, I don't remember if there was an announcement, uh, but I remember Peggy being like, I, we're trying to talk him into – Oh, she, that's it. She whispered it to me. She said, we're trying to talk him into joining us, joining our little, I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, it was, <laughs> that's going to happen. And uh, well, it did. I was like, well, this is awesome. You got Charlie Goodman, Peggy Goodman. And now they're bringing on Paul Glodfelter, who I only knew from KRT, uh, but enough to know this is this is going to be awesome. Well, you know, it it was. They asked me. They asked me. First of all, Charlie asked me if I wanted to do the dinner theater show in the summer, mm -hmm. uh, which was Love, Sex, and the IRS. And I wasn't doing anything in the summer, so I said, "Sure, I'll come and do it." And he um, was like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, I'll come and do that. That's not a problem." Would you be interested in directing To Kill a Mockingbird? And I said, "I would love to direct To Kill a Mockingbird." Um, but it was during the summer show when uh, Charlie Goodman, who is the president of the Far Off Broadway Players and the board of directors, um, his wife, of course, is a board member as well. But it was uh, during that show that we kind of worked out logistically how and what my responsibilities would be and what I would do as far as, you know, taking over the organization and, you know, because it was already a great organization. It was just basically taking it to the next level. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, because I wouldn't have, this is not going to sound awful. I don't mean it this way, but I mean, I, I wouldn't have jumped on board with an organization where I didn't feel there was some definite possibilities and promise there. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, let's, and let's face it, we get, to, we get to perform on the Plaza Theater stage. I mean, that's a gorgeous place to be, man. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's like just the, an honor just to be off the walk on, you know, what we, we call them the planks, you know, to walk on the planks where so many people have performed, you know, over the years. It's not, it's amazing to be even on that stage. Yeah, so not yeah, even just theater, but music, uh, you name it has been up there. And uh... absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it, it's a complete honor to me. Um, and I've always been about, um, you know, even though I've performed a lot of different places across the country, for me, it's always been, I, I want to be home. You know, I really, I, I would love to be home and be able to do what I do. And, you know, the far probably players and their board and Charlie and Peggy, they gave me the best gift anybody could ever ask for, which is to be able to stay home and do what it is I do for a living. So it's like, wow, I'm so fortunate and so lucky. You know what I mean? Um, so no complaints here for anything, really, other than COVID. Where I can't do what I do. Right. Kind of spin, but, you know. <laughs> um, um, now, yeah, far off, man. A lot far of off your rolling pre-COVID. It, it, I mean, it was amazing just to watch it happen. Whether I was in a particular show or not, I was just like, far off is they're doing pretty good right now. And, no. and COVID, pow. But it's uh, all right. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get back. Yep. I noticed in a lot in uh, the shows that you directed and uh, in your performances, there's a lot of, uh, obviously sometimes, you know, actors will, uh, they'll just go and they'll just think about what they're supposed to say and how they're going to say it. But I've noticed that 
there's a lot more deep thought into the things that you present on stage, whether it's behind the scenes or in your role itself. Um, did you get that when you, uh, you know, were going for uh, your philosophy and uh, British literature degree? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. That, that's, that's a lifetime of, uh, that's a lifetime of reading, learning, failing, picking myself up, nervous breakdowns, you know, um, therapy, you know, um, there's, I mean, for me, I'll, 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 I'll say this, Matt, this is, I, when I went, when I went to school on this, this, to Sales University and I started, you know, I started studying theology and I started, you know, really hitting all the, the great Greek philosophers and, um, you know, so much of what they said makes sense, but so much of what they said did not jive with the world and the way that, you know, I, I see it. And, uh, you know, not, to me, nothing is black or white. And that goes for human beings. And as far as playing characters and roles, I mean, we're always conflicted in one way or the other, you know? Um, and it is that conflict that creates realness and realism. You know, and it's not conflict between two people. It's conflict within oneself. And we all have it. You know, we all have that, that conflict. I'm sorry this is getting so deep. You know, dig me out here later. But um, no matter how, how silly the character, no matter, you know, if it's a farce, which is, you know, if it's, you know, a Greek tragedy, if it's a, you know, Shakespearean uh, tragedy, wh whatever. Um, these people all have conflict, internal conflict. And I think it's a difference between uh, a person who acts well and an actor. Um, you know, the old school of acting was think of a thought, think of a memory that might help put you there, your character there and where you need to be. And I think I, I never jived with that because it always felt so fake to me. You know, it always felt so, um, some people, so there, there are some actors who pulled it off beautifully that you didn't know they were doing it, you know, that they did it really, really, really well. And then there are some that didn't pull it off so well, you know? Um, so what do you do? Well, you know, I won't go into, uh, the Meisner technique, but there is a, a particular technique in acting called the Meisner technique, um, yes, which is, yeah, which is. Um, basically going there with your characters. Um, it is letting yourself, letting your hair down and totally finding a way to create, um, create this person, forget yourself and just create this person from, and it's not easy. I mean, it's a very difficult thing to do at first, but once you get used to doing it that way, there is no other way to do it. So, um, yeah, I guess it was a little bit of everything, Matt, that really kind of got me there. And honestly, I have had the enormous privilege to work with some of the finest actors in the country um, who have, I would stand and like watch rehearsals and watch them in awe on how they would, oh man, it would just move me and get me to these points. I'm like, how do they do that? You know, how do they really, you know, so 
um, I would have lots of conversations with them, you know, and um, they helped teach me, you know, how to go there and how to do these kind of things. So, and you know, it's funny, most of them feel the same way I do about the way everything is gray and nothing is black and white. And I think it's kind of funny in, a, in our country right now where we're so left, where we're so divided that those of us in the arts are going, yeah, but can't we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I hear you, you know, the, I, I hear you. Absolutely. But, you know, well, there's this really great spot in the middle where we can sit down and have a cup of coffee or drink a beer and go, hey, let's just talk a little bit, man. And, you know, let's break like some bread, and have some fun, you know. Um, recently, so harder and harder as each day goes on is to have a conversation. Well, you know, but see, that's what that's all the that's what theater is. Yep. Theater is a big conversation. Um, and, you know, being at the, given the privilege to do it as many years as I have, I think those of us have done it understand we work with people from all different ages, from all different walks of life, from, you know, all different, you know, political realms and that kind of stuff. And, you know, when we're in rehearsal, none of that matters. We just, we, we all like each other and we all get along and, you know, I mean, sometimes somebody might say, well, I really like Paul, but you know, he's kind of, you know, he's a registered Democrat, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, well, Alan's good, but he's a, you know, he's a registered, you know, what'd you say, Bradley? You've heard that then. <laughs> oh, I, I've heard it too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, which is fine, but you know, I, if people ask me what my views are, I'd be more than happy to tell them. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But it doesn't mean everybody. But it doesn't mean everybody has to have my views. You well, know? No, because but, a lot of times uh, people need to remember that uh, your views should stop at the door because you're there to be entertained. You know, uh, and absolutely. And, and, and lose yourself in the hour and a half to two hours that these people are working hard on stage to bring a, a show. You know, just forget right. about life for a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's, that's really. To, to act in itself, Paul, you were talking about uh, there's a there's a gray area, and that's not just like political. That's everything, like sure. anything you can think of. There is a gray area, um, or any major topic subject. But as an actor, you get to be so many different people, and uh, you, you don't go into a role like you mentioned to kill a mockingbird. I was in that show. Fantastic. I was Mr. Gilmer. Not me, fantastic. The show was fantastic. Um, and he was, he's not a great person. You know, he, he is the prosecutor for, for that story. And if you're familiar with To Kill a Mockingbird, you know what the trial was about. Um, and I don't know how many times I apologized to Kendall uh, after every show. I am so sorry. You should sorry. be so much of a method actor, Alan. Well, you know, but, but uh, Kendall, Kendall said it over and over. They need to see it. They need to hear it. Yeah. You know, the words yeah. that was happening to be said, it was necessary for the audience to get in, in, in encompassed. Is that a word? Uh, in, sure. In, Engrossed, encompassed. Yeah. The story of, of what this message is. That, that we're putting out yeah the message yeah. isn't necessarily the words it's the whole play itself has a message on its own 
Yeah, and, and even uh, though Mr. Gilmer is not Mr. Hogan, Mr. Hogan's responsibility was to tap into the thoughts of Gilmer. Right. Where is he coming from? Is it just his job, which helped a little? Um, or it's just his, he's a lawyer, um, it, you know, that type of mentality. But playing all these different characters, even though you don't agree with them 110%, you get a little taste of where they're coming from. Absolutely. And that helps bring to conversation. Well, to that, that's how one oh, way you can tap into that character, even if it's such a revolting character uh, at face value, yeah. with some of the things that they said and did, there's always a line uh, or a grain of something that you can tap into in which you can relate to them. And it may not have anything to do with the awful things that they do, but like, uh, Mr. Gilmer, you know, the signs of the times, you know, the economy's doing bad, uh, like right now. If you were in a show and you were mean to tap into that character, that's something yeah. you can tap into. The, the intrinsic hatred that you have because things aren't going well and you're looking for something to blame or someone. Yeah. And that's something you could tap into. And, uh, you know, that's just, you know, one of the things that comes with it. And that's one of the reasons I say, act, and Paul, I, I know you feel the same way, acting is therapeutic. Oh yeah. If you can if you can go on stage and honestly play a character that you despise in real life or or you might not necessarily want to have a cup of coffee with. <laughs> that is Think so of the people on the other end when the guy when the bad guy gets their come up and how cathartic that is for some people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing that we do um and you it those you know you guys are have all acted um, but it's called a backstory and, Give it to you. you know, make up your own little, right. So, um, sometimes depending on the play and the, and you know, the actual words, um, there's enough in there that you can determine where, how this person was brought up, how were they reared? What's their imprinting? What were their parents like? Did they know their parents? Where did they have extended families? Were they spoiled? Were they poor? Were they, um, you know, how, how they handle these situations, you know, um, because we all are products of, of those things, even in real life. So it only makes sense to create a backstory for a character, um, that you are playing. So, you know, where you're coming from, you know, our responses in real life to situations and conversations are, are a lot of time based on the imprinting uh, of our, our past experiences. And that's where a lot of these things come from. So, um, so playing a character is, uh, is just like that. So if you want to make it real, like Matt, you know, you said about getting deeper and that kind of stuff, that's really where it starts. It really starts with who are these people? You know, um, I played Bob Ewell in To Kill a Mockingbird at Kentucky Repertory Theater, who is one of the most worst alcoholic abusive men I could ever imagine. It was just, uh, and it hurt me. It, it really hurt my insides to play him. It was because uh, it was the antithesis of who I am as a human being. Um, but I had people that wouldn't talk to me after the show because they just did not like me at all, which is perfect, right? You say, that's great, I did my job. But it hurt my feelings so bad at the time. Well, Chris Bartley, <laughs> right. uh, Chris Bartley, who played To Kill a Mockingbird in, um, in our show with Far Up Broadway Players in 2017, 
uh, is one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your entire life. He is. I agree. I know that guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he is just uh, got a heart of gold, right? And, and when I cast him in this show, he looked at me and said, what are you trying to say to me, Paul? Well, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, look, I played the role too. I'm just saying, I think you have it in you to really do it, you know? And he go, and he would say, this is awful. This feels really awful. And I said, that means you're doing it right. Yeah. You know, I said, but think about this. Think about the fact that, do you think Bob Yule felt good about himself either? Like, do you think he felt good about the way he was? Uh, where his, res his responses were just products of his life and his, bringing, his upbringing and where he came from and what his life was like during those times and alcoholism. And, um, and, and he goes, I said, that is what creates a character. That's what creates these people that we know. We all know people like him. You know, whether we want to admit it or not, we, we know people like that in our lives, right? Um, and boy, did he, he was just an awful human being on stage. Like he pulled that off so incredibly well. I mean, I told him afterwards, I was like, dude, you, you totally, I mean, you were so much better than I played this role. I mean, I was like, you were just killed it. It was like, so oh, next no, time, pull it back know. just a little bit there, uh, Chris. <laughs> it's amazing how one of the nicest people you know makes a perfect villain. Like, he's a perfect he does. Yes, yes he looks mean. He's standing up there in the middle of the stage with him. He just got has this mean look to him, and, and you know that's not who he is. Well, he certainly well, he played Mr. Potter in, in, in It's a Wonderful Life and was the same way, just a rotten human being. <laughs> Just well, I tell you what, every role that I've had, uh, I've played, except for one, I've played a bad guy. And uh, I think it's because I make it my mission. See, uh, at the theater that I was at uh, doing most of these shows, like I said, I haven't done the plaza in the far off Broadway yet, but I will. I've always done mine at Barnlot Theater. And they do these things called Star for a Star. And it's if somebody in the audience likes your performance, wants to give you a comment or anything like that, they pay a dollar, write a message, sends it to the cast at, you know, at intermission. I made it my mission, every performance, to make sure I didn't get one. And thus far, I've only gotten one, and that was only because I was told I was scary. <laughs> so I take that as a win. But that, you know, that's one of those things. You, know, it, you try to tap into a place you don't normally think you're, you're able to go into and uh yeah. kind of make a goal for yourself it's all part of it man it's all part of it now i have yet to actually ask a question here but uh i want to i want to get one in there so uh when i was cast as george bailey i think uh that that's something that you have kind of mentioned before that maybe i was a little like george um have you ever played a character uh yourself that was a lot like Paul Gladfelder. Oh boy, um, a lot like me. Um, personally, I didn't realize that I was a lot like George until after the fact that it was over. But I think, well, first of all, some of my favorite roles were some of the smallest roles. Um, like some of the cameos, uh, cameo roles, which come in and. You know, they come in for one scene, two scenes, and, you know, you're as memorable as you can, and then you leave and they're never seen from again, heard from again, you know. Um, and those have been some of my favorite 
uh, not just because of the small amount of work that's involved, but the um, but really just getting a lot of accolades for for playing these crazy characters. Um, you know, I think honestly, uh, playing um, playing Murray the cop in The Odd Couple uh, many many years ago, um, Murray's a lot like me um, in terms of his. Uh, sensibility um, where Murray had the capability of not not being you know not being one way or the other but always living in the gray area um, and always trying to find the good in everybody you know and I think you know Murray's close to me in that respect um, and uh, and probably um, a little bit of uh, George Banks and Mary Poppins um, which I I played uh, a few years ago, and uh, George is is uh, loves his family. Uh, was really caught up in the world, trying to make something of himself. And I had a period of my life where that was my sole goal was to make something of myself. And you know, I, I always love it when people say they want to make something of themselves, and I'm like, but you already are something, you know. Like, um, you know what I mean? It's not. Like what, 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 you know, so I think it would really, if you're talking about me now, I would say Murray the cop from the odd couples, probably, you know, the closest that I am and definitely not, definitely not Oscar Madison. He's about as far from me as, you know, as humanly possible. Um, although I enjoyed playing the role. That was fun. But uh, I think what Brad was, uh, was asking there was at the time of playing a certain role, was there any one in particular that was close to you at that moment? That way, to, to where when you got on stage, it was almost too personal. Or you felt like I'm exposing myself a little bit here. Um, no, maybe, uh, maybe Reverend Shaw. From uh, the musical uh, Footloose, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's a you know, the musical is a little different than the movie. So if you know if you if you've seen, um, gosh, what's his name, the guy that plays the Reverend in uh, the movie, um, uh, Lithgow. Yeah, J uh, John Lithgow. Um, but in the in the musical version. Um, the the Reverend role is a much more it's 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 much more expanded, and you get to um, you get to really delve deeper into this guy who is pretty he's pretty uh, what's the word I'm looking conflicted um, he's he's um, you know and the woman who played my wife in that show. Um, it was the first, it was the first large musical, it was the first professional large role this woman had ever done in her life. And she was terrified to play this role. And, um, and what I found was, uh, but she was also a deeply spiritual person. And I think working with her and then delving into this guy yeah, um, there were some things about him that really, there were some qualities and beliefs that he had that I too shared 
But when they came out of his mouth, I realized how kind of messed up they sounded. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and yeah, uh, there's, I can think of many times where I've done a role where it's made me introspective uh, and said, I think I've said exactly the same thing uh, at some point. And man, that's really not a cool way to be. That's not, you know what I mean? That's not a cool way to sound or cool. And that's the beauty of art. Um, you know, music, music does that too. You know, you talk to many musicians who write songs, sing songs, um, and when they hear the words coming out of their mouth that they wrote, how cathartic those kind of things, you know, can be, you know? And I've heard from many actors who've played roles that, you know, if you start a character, you know, first day of rehearsal, and by the time that you're closed that show, if you're the same human being afterwards, then you didn't, you didn't do it. Because it, no matter what you do, it changes you. Um, you know, heck, I can sit down with my guitar and play a song and I'm not the same person I was when I started playing the song than when I got done playing it. It's, it's, it changes you in some way. You know, think about going to, the, to a place the first time and seeing a mountain that you never saw before, right? Um, and you walk in there with a mood and a certain thing and a certain attitude and you spend five, 10 minutes staring at this beautiful mountain and seeing, you know, all of a sudden you're like not the same person. You feel differently about things, you know. Um, and boy, playing a playing a role in a show is the most cathartic. Wow, it's you know, it it does move you and change you. So, and I'm just going to stop talking because I. You just know, I was sitting here thinking while you, while you were saying that is uh, I had a question for myself where I don't know if it's more of a piece of the character staying with you or a piece of you gone staying with the character but i think it's both yeah. uh, it, 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 it doesn't happen every single time this deep anyway but i feel like you you kind of swap a little you you like yeah. you drop a piece of yourself off there on the stage with the character and you take what you learned and you replace it i'll tell you as a director i love watching that happen man that's one of the most beautiful things I mean, I love acting, but man, I almost love directing more because watching you guys uh, start with something and then watching your attitudes and you change completely by the time we get done, that is a beautiful thing to watch. That's just, you know, and ask anybody who's been directed by me, I'm kind of a jerk. So uh, I push pretty hard. No, you know, that's because you want the best out of your actors so you can put on the best show possible. I do have a oh. smile, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it doing it for, for hours? What's that? What? I was saying that I took great pride in, in the fact that uh, I made you tear up and uh, kind of forget to, to throw the music cues in um, during uh, Tech Week. That was just his excuse. Well, what, what, it was, <laughs> what it was was the just hungry. <laughs> it was the tuna sub with lots of onions on it that really got me. Uh, <laughs> See, told you. <laughs> yeah, um, and I made you feel good by telling you, you made me cry. What can I say? Hey, you know. An actor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Tech Week. We've come to this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, tech Week. Tech Week is. 
that's the roughest well, one bittersweet because yeah. you got to do it and then at the same time you're like oh man when we do this it's over you know? the worst tech week i ever had with the far off probably players was dracula uh for sure Holy. wow yeah. that was a tough amazing there was a show. lot of there was a lot of moving parts in that show um and uh yeah and we were still using the old equipment thing because the plaza has all new stuff now um you know new lighting you know new lighting consoles new lighting setup you know all that kind of stuff and back then we were still using the you know the old stuff we were using you know borrowed microphones and uh because now we we have our own um you know so we'd have to climb that huge firefighter ladder to change the gels out okay you know many times you climb i don't want to die i tell you what though sometimes you know <laughs> even though you've got new uh just sometimes with the old you kind of run into situations where things happen no matter what oh yeah i have to say that <laughs> one of my most memorable things from one of your shows uh that you were in paul and alan and brad was uh, sleepy hollow when the smoke set oh. off the Oh, and you were walking down, and you're like, "Well, we're gonna start again." The opening scene, but you didn't break character. You stood there so stoic, and we're gonna break. We're we're gonna start over. <laughs> oh, that was one of the best things. Uh, it wasn't oh backstage. No, I'm sure everybody well, was panicking no. backstage. I said, "What there when things go a, wrong?" What a like, great uh, way to start a, a hard type show is for, for this to happen and then you got people running out of the theater well not everybody do remember, alan do you remember in musical comedy murders of 1940 when uh deanne's supposed to pull the desk drawer around the bookcase does not open when it's oh, supposed yeah. to open yeah yeah, yeah. when theater yeah. goes wrong yeah when theater yeah, goes that wrong one, that was probably the biggest thing personally uh, i mean now and, and i have fallen flat on my face at, at kentucky rep not one person in the audience laughed, so I don't know if that was better or worse. Uh, but very first entrance for Much Ado About Nothing, I tripped going down the steps and landed flat on my face. And that was uh, probably panic until the I audience realized you're okay. What I witnessed with Paul and that fire alarm was worse than that. And because I, I was off on the side <laughs> of the stage looking at him, going, "Okay, he's paused. He's holding. He's holding." Finally, he's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to start talking. Okay, uh, guys, we're at a hold. Can we bring lights up? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, no, poor Paul. This is awesome. And now, it if is I'm better. Debut uh, was when the smoke alarm happened. So, <laughs> Well, I tell you, it, it is still definitely better than having to stop a show when a huge group of ticket holders finally show up about 10 minutes in and you have to cause everything and Ooh. your choice is either to start over or just sit there in, you know, you know, stage dark and wait until they come back up and continue. Mm. I, I'll tell you what, man, I, I was working in the booth at Kentucky Repertory Theater. I think it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And they were doing a, a show called and then they came for me and um it is uh, a show about holocaust survivors mm. and um 
it's a very, very powerful, powerful show. I, and I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was an evening performance. And, uh, you know, as happens here in South Central Kentucky, we had some serious storms blow through. Um, and Horse Cave uh, was without power. And, you know, we had 120, 130 people in the audience. So the show started and the power went poof, gone. <laughs> and, you know, and what can you do? You know, what can you do? So um, we gave them the option of seeing the show done by candlelight um, or um, basically, you know, getting a refund and getting another ticket to come another time. That would have been really cool. Well, we did the entire show by candlelight. We got all these candles. And if you've ever been in Kentucky Rep, it's what they call a thrust stage. So the stage thrusts out into the audience. So all along the thrust, we put uh, candles all the way around the very, very edge. So it's like the old footlights and old theaters. And all the actors pulled the action down so they could be seen by the candlelights. And um, I will never forget that as long as I live. It was one of the most beautiful. And the audience who stayed and saw it said it was one of the most magical things that they've ever seen. They didn't need, you know, all the bells and whistles because the story itself really was what, what was important. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I will never forget that as long as I live doing that show by candlelight. Um, that's the one and only time that in my life that has ever happened. But, um, you know, there's always more. You know, there's always oh, yeah. one. The power going out took a took a play that was meant to be raw and made it a genuine raw moment. That that was I mean, oh, that yeah, any rawer than that. I don't think they could oh, have yeah. drawn any uh, drawn the audience in more than it did then, just by candlelight. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was really cool, man. I'm telling you, I I, I just think back on those and I'm like, wow, that was like a really really cool moment. So. Um, yeah, there's, there's tons of those things, man. And that's another thing that great's great about live theater is that you never know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, ask Alan, you know, he's done film too, you know, film, you have how, how many takes to get a, to get a scene right, you know, in theater, you have to do it right the first time, um, you know, and if you mess up, you just got to keep going. It's not like, you know, you can say, cut, let's try this again, you know, take two, take three, take four theater. It's like, boom, it's out there. And, um, and thank goodness I've never messed up on stage. Um, <laughs> I've never, uh, yeah. That's what, something I was going to ask you. By the way, audience, uh, we'll be selling uh, theater uh, do's and don'ts uh, DVD right now uh, of uh, this uh, interview for 1999. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, that's one of the things I was going to ask you. What's the, because I know I've done it before. Have you ever gotten so lost in a, in a role that you just, kind of jumped off the page and not realize it and kind of did your own thing. And then you realize you went, oops. <laughs> yes. Um, many times where depending on the role, um, sometimes you get so into it um, and you get rolling and you forget where the heck you are. Um, I've had that happen, you know, a couple of times. And usually it's a, a fine actor person on stage that saves me and brings me back to reality again and where I'm, <laughs> where I'm supposed to be. Um, I was doing a show in uh, Florida one time in Fort Myers, Florida, called the Great American Trailer Park Christmas Musical. <laughs> um, Perfect for Kentucky. 
And I played this guy by the name of uh, uh, Jackie Boudreau, you know, um, who was uh, a real sleazeball businessman who um, was basically taking over this trailer park um, to turn it into a giant entertainment complex, uh, including turning it into um, a, uh, with a restaurant uh, that basically is like Hooters for pancakes, um, where the girls wear pancakes on their chests. Um, so uh, that's the kind of guy he is. You know, it's all about money. Well, they, um, long story short, he, he falls in, like he falls for this one girl in the trailer park, uh, even though he's a jerk. And I'm literally like, you know, this pimped out in my, you know, mauve velour double-breasted suit, you know, walking in, slicked out with my aviators on. Um, and I have this argument with this guy who was like the handyman of the trailer park. And he and I go back and forth and argue. And it was one of my favorite parts of the show where we argue back and forth and, um, and eventually gets interrupted by this other character who comes out. Well, I don't know. We were really into it. Like we were just, you know, arguing back and forth and yada, 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 and really getting into it. And my lines just went poof, just, <laughs> just gone. I had no idea. And I, and I literally, and this might, I don't know if this will work, you know, via video, but this is what I looked like when me looking at him. <laughs> Been there. I had nothing. I had nothing. And he stared at me. And, and I was like, I mean, there was, nothing was coming out. Like, I couldn't think of anything. So out comes the actor, actress, who was going to be, you know, you know, probably, you know, two minutes earlier than she would have, <laughs> and basically saved the scene. So later, we're in what we call the green room, which is the pretty much, you know, the place where all the actors hang out, uh, you know, between scenes and that kind of stuff in the dressing room. And uh, so the guy I was on the, the scene with walked in, and he was like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> I went, yeah, why? And he was like, oh my God, I thought you were having a stroke, man. You were just like, <laughs> up there, like you know, like, and, and I said, no, no, I, I just, I call it going to the white room. Yeah. You know, um, where there's nothing there, no matter what you can do. So uh, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of times, Matt, where bad, bad things happened. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when I was in uh, Miracle Worker, and I played uh, Helen Keller's father, uh, Captain Arthur Keller, and it was the climax of the movie where you know everything is just coming to a head, and we're sitting around the dinner table, and uh, we all, of course, I, I'm, I'm the whole character of Arthur. He's he's very angry, and it's not. He's just a naturally angry person. It's his station in life and the hardship he feels he's having to face because of his daughter, who is the way she is. And uh, he just, he's a fixer, but he can't fix anything. And the one who's fixing it is of course, you know, Annie. And so he's got so much pent up frustration, everything like that. And it all comes to a head at the very end of the show, sitting around a dinner table and Helen ends up running out of the doorway to you know, the yard and everything like that. And so does Annie. And I'm getting up to go chase after just like a bull in a china shop, just ready to barrel through. Well, uh, this uh, guy that I'm on stage with, uh, Alan, you know, Dustin, 
and uh, he, he plays my son and he's supposed to stand up and have his his actual big moment of standing up to me finally and he just stands there and I've drawn on everything from the entire show in the past rehearsals and all that stuff and all I could think of to come out of my mouth instead of you know you know your place you know what are you doing and all this stuff the only thing that comes out was I get nose to nose with him and I yelled boy <laughs> And he freezes. <laughs> we go backstage and he goes, what happened? And I went, um, I'm sorry. I was actually really angry at you at the time. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's he played the cowboy in Dracula. Oh, yeah. He did? Yeah. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Fantastic. Good guy, very talented. He did a great. He did a great job of that role, man. I'm telling you, um, you know, that was another one of those shows that uh, we pushed the boundaries a little bit, you know. And people would say, "Well, you know, it's Dracula." I'm like, "Oh no, this is a great thing about him is, too is that he's so young." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when I tried to explain to him, this is a graphic, a graphic novel rock and roll Dracula, and that you know he can take it as far as he wants with him. Like, you know, you can, you know, you, you don't have to worry about, not that you don't have to worry about characterization, I'm like, but you're gonna take everything that this guy is about and take it even further. Like, take it to the end, I mean, as to far as you can. Like, yeah, just as far as you can. And boy, I'll tell you, you know, from day one of rehearsal to where he ended up doing as the, you know, actually as the role, he did a great job. I mean, you know, he really, went he really went there um you know and, and even with you know we dracula is really with three brides of dracula but the the women that came out and auditioned for the brides um i felt you know what the heck let's put four in really doesn't have to be three let's put four so unlike the book by bram stoker we had three brides of dracula which i thought actually <laughs> worked out better anyway but um but anyway, yeah, man. Um, lots of mess ups over the years. Lots of, uh, but you know, we. That's the beauty of theaters. So I've seen stuff in professional shows that have been mess ups that have have made the show. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, you know that just made made the experience even better for me. So, um, I mean, I was I, I watched a show uh, in Atlanta one time where a person was heckled by the audience. Um, and the character, we're not supposed to do this, the character just basically broke character, looked right at the person, and did the, went right back into the scene. I'll never forget, <laughs> didn't say anything. Just, you know, and my, the director of me was going, oh, why'd you have to do that? And then I kept thinking, the person never said another word. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, all right, that's, you know, that was a beautiful thing, but... Anyways, I saw once, it's, a, once it's in front of the audience, too late. I, I want to exactly. say it was, um, oh my goodness, who's who's been playing 007 the past like five to ten years? Oh, Daniel Craig. Craig. Daniel Craig and Hugh Jackman, I believe is who it was. Uh, they were doing a play, and I'm not sure which one, but there's a video of this on the internet. Somebody's phone goes off, and it looks to be a very intense scene that has taken place here. Like Daniel's got his head down, sitting in a chair. He's full on in it. 
and Hugh's standing there. The phone goes off. It rings and rings and rings. And finally, Hugh Jackman's like, you going to answer that? We'll wait. Go ahead. And, and Daniel Craig, if he did look up, it was just a glance. Like, right. He, like, tried his best, like, staying in it. I'm staying in it. I'm staying in it. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes, I mean, you know, when something like that happens, I, I asked um, – I remember Robert Brock at KRT being asked, can we tell an audience member to shut up? Or, or you know, <laughs> like, like if somebody is, is being unruly during the show, can we, can we say something? No. <laughs> Which I think he, he probably was thinking, well, it, I've done it. <laughs> but these are kids and there's no telling what would happen no yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I mean but eventually the, the more you do it stuff like that just kind of you know you hear a kid crying it's it, it's it's really hard unless you're just having an off night it's really hard to be taken out of the scene that you're in if anything it makes me want to get louder yeah yeah uh, so I'm sure we could go on and on for a number of hours about things uh, Paul has done, would like to do, and all this stuff. So how about we do a, a one roundtable of a final question from all of us if we have one? We'll let Brad go first. Uh, Paul, at the, at the very beginning uh, of this interview, you had uh, – you know, you were talking about everything that you did as far as being the artistic director. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that I wanted to point out that you, uh, you seem to fail to mention uh, was the fact that you were a talent scout. <laughs> you are a legend in your own mind, Bradley. <laughs> Alan brought me to you, so... Yeah. Glad to have you on board, my friend. Glad to have you on board. <laughs> um, I've got one. Um, who would you say is, um, is there somebody that you've really wanted to work with as either a director or an actor that you haven't gotten to yet? Um, there's somebody, right, Paul? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I, I really, really wanted to direct uh, Charlie Goodman at some point. Um, and I finally had the opportunity to, uh, to do that, which was, which was really, really great. And Charlie is a, you know, is a wonderful actor and a really, uh, he's, he's, he's got a brain for theater. I mean, he really does, you know, and he's done it for so many years and, um, and his, uh, and he gets it, you know, he gets it from all levels. So I guess Charlie was somebody that I am glad I finally got a chance to work with. Um, you know, I hadn't had a chance to work with Catherine Thomas, who had done a lot of uh, shows with the far Broadway players in the past. And I finally got a chance to work with her, which was really, really a wonderful uh, experience. But, um, but I guess I don't think of it in terms of, I mean, there are roles that I never played that I would love to 
you know, have a chance to do someday, you know, before I get too old to really, like, I want to play King Lear someday so badly it's not even funny. Um, but finding the opportunity to do that, you know, um, I always thought I'd make a really great Ebenezer Scrooge, but I never had the chance to actually, uh, you know, play that role. But that would be a role I, that I would love to. Just, just know, live that me. part through every time you uh, direct. That's all you need to do. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but honestly, it is just a pure, um, I think casting shows is, um, is so much, uh, it's so much fun for me because um, I see people in auditions that I go, I want to work with them. So, um, you know, to answer your question is, I see people like that all the time that I want to work with. Um, and maybe this play, this show isn't right for them if I don't have a part for them in this particular production. Sorry, my cat's drinking my water. Um, <laughs> but there have been times when people have auditioned for shows two or three times and I never, and I hadn't put them into a show and all of a sudden a, a show that we're doing comes up and I go, that person would be perfect for this role. Yeah. You know, um, so to answer your question, it happens all the time. I just, you know, um, hopefully get a chance to do it with everybody I want to work with. Fair enough. Yeah. I remember, was you uh, there, Matt? Do what? Was you fishing there? No, no, that was just a, it's an honest question. <laughs> it is an honest question. We yeah. were doing um, Frankenstein, and I remember we had to rehearse at a school uh, in Glasgow, uh, and uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was there was no air conditioner, uh, so it was really hot. But uh, anyway, I remember Charlie grabbing me or pulling me to the side, and, and he was like, that scene that we that you just rehearsed, I, I really like how you did that, and I remember thinking, "That's cool." <laughs> I guess they're gonna let me keep coming back. Uh, yeah, Char <laughs> Charlie, uh, it, it's really really cool uh, to know that somebody like Charlie appreciates what you do and how you do it. Because Absolutely. Dan has been doing it for so long. Him and Peggy, yeah, keeping the far off Broadway players going for as long as they have is amazing. Yeah. Amazing task. It was, it was ten years before I came on board that they that it was basically their ball game. I mean, they kept it going, and you know, um, and I know they really wanted to. They don't want. They didn't want it to change necessarily. They didn't really want to change the far off Broadway players, but at the same time. They wanted to take what they had built, and I think that was the whole, my whole thing was like, well, I don't want to change anything. I just want to make it better than, that. you know, I just want to make it better and continue to make it grow and continue to make it better and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to say one thing here. Um, we are so blessed here in South Central Kentucky, and I've said this on stage during curtain speeches and stuff, but I want everybody to know this, um, that we have so much great theater in this area. I mean, really. Um, I, you know, Kyle Hadley and I, you know, uh, our friends, I've known him for a, a while now, and Kyle is just a great guy over at Barnlot Theater, and all the people over at Barnlot do a, a great job, and the fact that they have kept that theater going for as long as they have is a testament to all the people involved over there, um, so, you know, give them 100% kudos uh, for everything, and so many people that acted Barnlot, you know, acted our shows, some people that acted our shows acted Barnlot. And I think it's a great relationship. So I will always 
be supportive of them. And I know that they too are really supportive of what we do. You know, we have a partnership Absolutely. with like, we promote, we help promote their shows. They help promote our shows, et cetera. And we also have PTK and Bowling Green, you know, the public theater of Kentucky, um, uh, who um, just do a, a really wonderful job there at the Phoenix stage in Bowling Green. And uh, we have, uh, you know, we, we have, um, oh, what's it called now? The Star Theater out in Russell Springs, which is doing a lot of different stuff out there as well. So uh, we're, we're just so lucky here. And our schools, oh my gosh, like Glasgow, uh, you know, high school, Glasgow Middle School in Barron County Middle School and Barron County High School, they put on great shows, man. Like I can't believe the amount of talent that we have here in this area and, you know, and I, you know, I had the pr privilege of directing one show at Barron County High School, and it was just really just a, a great time and so much fun. So I mean, I'd like to do more of that, too, eventually, um, where I have some time to really work with some of the high school students and some of the middle school you know, students. And when, I mean, as far as probably a player, we would love to do more workshops with, you know, young actors and, you know, you know older actors and really, because um, it's a scary prospect. You know, people don't even know what to expect unless they've been in a show before. Right. Um, and they don't even know they can do it, but you know, it'd be really nice to maybe just some kind of intro class where if you're like, have you ever thought about doing this and you want to actually come out and do this, I would love to be able to someday have the time and, you know, not have to wear a mask and actually bring everybody together and, um, and, you know, commune and, and teach them how to do some of these things, you know? So yeah, we're, we're really, really lucky and the far probably players is just really, you know, one small organization amidst many, many others, and uh, I'm just really fortunate to be a part of it and to live here because it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous area, man. It really is. all the time. Uh, well, I, I don't know if I – mean, I'm sure people tell you, but behind your back, people people like to do it because I guess they're, they, they, they don't know how to say it to you in person, uh, so they say it to other people of how they never thought that they could do – what they just done, you know, on stage. And they were floored when, when Paul cast them in this show. Whether it was the, the actual role that they went out for or not, they were so, so surprised that they were even in the show to begin with. On top of that, how rehearsals go, you build up to what the end product is. And they just, it blows their mind. And sometimes I, I still get a little uh, blown away by the process of it, where you take words written down on a piece of paper and X amount of days, weeks, couple of months, you work on it to, and then boom, the production quality of the show that Far Off puts on, it's amazing to look back on it and go, oh my God, we did that. You know, so somebody who's never done it before, period, never thought that they could do that, but they always wanted to. They all, they always had a, there was a certain part of them that was like, I really want to do it, but I don't think it's possible for me. I have heard so many times, I cannot believe Paul did this. And it's like, no, you, you did it. Like, you're the one that was on the stage. Like, they don't give themselves enough credit. Uh, That's what I always tell them. Yeah. I didn't do anything. So <laughs> if anybody, if anybody you uh, watching this that is not a part of Far Off Broadway Players or has never done any theater type of performance ever, wants to get involved, and I know right now COVID puts a damper on 
a lot of things. But if they wanted to get involved, if they wanted to go ahead and throw their name in for whatever in the future, is there a way for them to do that now? Like, is there an email? Uh, if they like you, like the Power Probably players on Facebook, how would they go about throwing their name in the hat for any behind-the-scenes stuff? Because I know, you know, for, for an actual show, for a performance, you're going to want to audition when the yep. auditions are live. But if they, if they more or less just wanted to kind of get their feet wet behind the scenes, is there any way yeah. for them to go ahead and say, hey, sign me up, let me know the dates? <laughs> well, um, I, I will say this. I mean, you, you can go to our website, which is faroffbroadwayplayers.com. Um, there's a contact us page. Um, if you fill out the contact us page, it'll come right to me and I will respond uh, accordingly to that. We also have our Facebook uh, page. If you're on Facebook and you go and like our page, you'll see everything that we need. You can also private message me through Facebook and, um, you know, I'll do my best to get back to you as promptly as possible. Um, like I always say, no questions are too stupid when it comes to this stuff. Whatever question you may have, um, you know, ask me. Um, regarding the rest of the year, uh, you know, we will not be doing any productions for the rest of, you know, 2020. Um, you know, that's in part due to not only patrons being able to come and see the show, but in terms of actors safely uh, being able to gather together uh, and rehearse and spit in, spit in each other's faces um, and get that kind of, get that kind of close-knit um, acting that that I like to do um, during this time is kind of difficult. You know, I, I have some friends in the professional world that are doing shows right now, but they're literally wearing masks and face shields. Um, you know, you know, doing these kind of roles, and and I can you know I can see that happening. You know, I mean, yeah, okay, um, but it it to, to me it would be a little distracting, and it's not something that I really I, I really wanted to go there with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can't um, really see any sort of facial expressions yeah, and emotion yeah, coming uh, from somebody who's got a mask on. Right, right. right. And, 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 and you get the glare of the lights with the with the face shield and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. So um, so we won't be doing any shows in 2020. But right now, um, I, you know, we do have a tentative schedule for 2021, um, you know, barring anything that happens. But um, it's kind of hard to put everything on the schedule right now. Um, and, and really say, yeah, this is going to happen because we really just don't really don't know uh, yet. But our goal is to do five shows in 2021. That's that's going to be our goal. Um, and, you know, four of them are shows we were supposed to do this year. Um, so, you know, we're going to try to do all of those shows uh, next year as well. Um, we are uh, I'm throwing an idea right now around that's not you know I don't know if it's going to happen yet or anything but I'm throwing an idea around right now about doing uh, a virtual show um, you know sometime later this year um, you know and and uh, but it's not you know it's not something that we have said yes we're definitely doing this but it's something that I have proposed um, to put out there so and uh, you know keep checking our Facebook page on that um, because it will, re will require, you know, actors uh, to do it, uh, but in a virtual sense. So um, I won't give away my ideas, but I'll say I have some, what I think are pretty cool ideas to put something like this together. Um, so, um, you know, if you want to be involved, 
keep your fingers crossed that this is actually going to happen. And uh, if you happen to see a thing that's come out, uh, comes out on Facebook, that says, Hey, would you like to audition for a virtual show? Um, well, heck, you know, sit down with a little iPhone and record a little, you know, audition and, you know, send it to me and we'll see what we can do. But, um, and you can do that anytime, by the way, uh, for any kind of shows, if you want to do something there, you know, uh, do a monologue. I always enjoy seeing, uh, all the talented people, you know, in this area. So, um, that's all I got. Cool. My brain hurts. <laughs> all right. Well, since, uh, we're towards the end here, uh, I've got 12 quick questions to ask you. These are rapid fire. Uh, sure. I call, yeah. So I kind of took this from inside the actor's studio. Uh, <laughs> of course, some of the questions are, uh, Mr. James Lipton's just as an ode to him because I was a big fan of his and the show and everything yeah. he did for at the acting community theater and whatnot. So, um, the last one is definitely his cause he asked everybody that was on there. So let's start with the, let's start with the number one, Mr. Paul Glodfilter. What's your favorite word? Peace. What's your least favorite word? Hate. What's your favorite part of the day? Sunrise. What sound or noise do you love? My wife's voice. I love it. On the flip side, what sound or noise do you hate? Dissonant music. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, what scent brings you joy? What scent or smell brings you joy? Freshly baked cinnamon buns. Ooh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> what scent or smell brings you disgust? Dirty <laughs> Dirty feet. <laughs> if you could, what other profession or hobby would you like to attempt outside of theater? Excluding teaching. Oh, caveat. <laughs> Archaeology. All right. If you could interview any famous person, living or dead, who would it be? Who? Interview any person, living or dead, who would it be? Famous person. Next week, Paul, just in case you needed to know that. Huh. I would probably say Edgar Allan Poe. Oh. Nice. Now a little more now a little more personal. If you could have dinner with anyone of your choosing, living or dead, doesn't have to be famous, who would it be? This is dinner, a little more intimate. My mom. Your mom. All right, and the last one. This is the one from uh, inside the actor's studio. If heaven exists, what would you like God to say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? You're not done yet. <laughs> Beautiful. And that was the last one. <laughs> oh, 
All right. So we've gone on for an hour and a half. So I think it's time for us to say our goodbyes. And thank you so much, Paul, for agreeing to do this. Thank you so much. And real quick, uh, Paul mentioned all the social media and the websites. You can actually go on there and, and read about the history of Far Off Broadway players on the okay. what is it, Far Off Broadway? What's the Far Off Broadway Players dot com. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again, Paul. Uh, I'm going to say bye. How's everybody else? Thank you very much. I really, thanks for having me and putting up with my long-winded answers. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, we enjoyed it. Thank Loved you it. Much. Thank you guys for, for watching. Uh, Matt, you're not going to do your, your normal sign-off. Just because it's video, you can still sign us out. All right. Well, uh, of course, if you'd like to reach us, you can get us at deadpanstudio18 at gmail.com. We're on social media at deadpanstudio18 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, we are on many different streaming platforms, 14 as of right now. So I'm only going to touch on the important ones. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Podbean, uh, deadpanstudio.podbean.com, and iHeartRadio. Or the one you listen to. Yeah, exactly. And YouTube. Since this is a video, it'll be on YouTube. Check it out. <laughs> See y'all later. Peace.